Welcome to the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. Jeff Johnson here with Kristen Peterson. How are you doing, Kristen? Oh, good. So it occurred to me recently, <laughs> I mean, within the last few seconds, that uh, in, um, well, maybe a little bit before this episode airs, around the time this episode airs, uh, children are heading off to school for the first time, uh, yeah. off to kindergarten from their early learning programs. And we live in a world where traditionally that is often celebrated because, oh, they're growing up and yes. parents are taking the pictures of the, the first day of school and posting them on yeah. the social media. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be some sort of big milestone. And for me, for ever, it's been kind of a disheartening day because over 26 plus years of working with kids, I've seen kids that are very independent and self-actualized to the extent you can be when you're five yeah. and capable of filling their time with self-directed playful activity are sent off into the meat grinder yes. of the school system where play becomes a, a very tiny to possibly non-existent part of their day anymore. Yeah. And so the start of school often is a, is a sad time for me. Have any thoughts? Uh, yes, that is exactly how I felt last summer, probably about June, um, when we were considering sending our youngest off to kindergarten and I had watched him grow up at Butterfly Hill and seen him in play every single day for the prior, like previous three years and knowing he wouldn't have that opportunity really at all anymore. It broke my heart. And I remember sitting on a beach with my best friend, like crying about it. Like I, I feel like I am ruining his childhood because we have to, I have to like send him off to somebody who's only met him for like four minutes, who is going to be his full-time caregiver. And she doesn't know like how much he loves bugs and will shove all the bugs in his pockets. Like she doesn't know any of those things and nor will have a really decent sized chance to find out those things about him because they're continually moved from thing on the schedule to thing on the schedule, to thing on the schedule and maybe have some time for play after they've finished centers for the morning. But we ended up homeschooling for kindergarten because I had such huge apprehension about sending my child to a space where there was no play. And so he spent his whole entire last kindergarten year in play. And one, he's seven, he doesn't know how to read and that's fine he has no interest in it still. And two, he is probably at a fourth grade level for math. Not that that matters what level he's at at all. Um, but that kid, it can add like three digit numbers in his head because he was allowed the time and space and the support from supportive adults to do that. He never would have probably excelled that much or learned that much in math. Like he was so we homeschooled the other, the two middle kids, Crew and Channing too. And 
instead of like creating different things at different levels, Steve would just really teach like math concepts all as a group. And so like Knox learned how to do fractions and adding fractions and things like that. (laughs) So like he came so far, but he also had so much time to play and be seven. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, like it's, it was so sad to me to think about sending him off. So we didn't. And I'm very lucky to be able to do that. Not everybody has that opportunity, but we found a way to make it work and made changes in our, in our own work schedules and jobs so that we could have time to do that. So, well, um, and that's a decision a lot more people have been making during the last year and a half during this COVID thing, the number of families that are homeschooling has skyrocketed, um, in, including, um, for, for minority families, um, the numbers, I think I was reading about one state that there was like a 16% increase or 60% increase. There was a six in it increase in, in black (laughs) families that were homeschooling. Um, I mean, and in, in some places it's more than doubled the number of families homeschooling and, mm-hmm. and families looking for other options than traditional yes. public schools, looking for, for charter schools and those kind of things that better fit what, what they're, they're hoping for their families. And now look, I'm going to throw this, uh, this blanket out there that um, I'm going to talk shit about kindergarten in a moment, but I'm not yes. saying all kindergarten classes no. and all kindergarten teachers are bad. There are some amazing people out there working there in your kindergarten, but uh, across the board in the U.S., and I'm going to throw Canada and Australia in there as well, there are the, the general structure of the beginning school years, kindergarten, first, second grade, are often totally devoid of what we know is developmentally appropriate activity for young children, which is self-directed yeah. learning and play. And so we steal that from them. Uh, there's, there's a lot of bullshit going on in the early learning world about our job being getting kids ready for school. Why the fuck would we want to spend our time getting kids ready for something that is so developmentally inappropriate exactly. and pushes them into things that, that they're not wired for yet? Um, our job in the early years is to be here in the moment now, giving them what they need day in and day out. The version of the child that shows up today is the kid I'm going to work with and serve. And if we do that, well, they're, they're going to, I mean, be ready to continue learning, but then we throw them into this meat grinder of, of public education, which often literally grinds them up. There's a, a organization called challenge success, challenge success dot org is the website and they they track um the effects of high stakes high pressure schooling and testing on young children and um i mean you go there and look through some of their reports and you find out that we're breaking children by sending them into this meat grinder uh the stress and stress and anxiety that they experience by the time they're in second and third and fourth grade uh, there, I mean, it starts, uh, you know, drug use prescription and, uh, illicit, um, young girls, um, in the United States, last number I looked at was like 3 million young girls between the ages of what 10 and 24 who are intentionally cutting themselves as a way of dealing with stress and anxiety. It, it is, it is horrific. 
And so not only are we we breaking them up with play as we send them into this meat grinder, we're we're often breaking them to some extent as human beings. Yeah. And and we we could and should do better. Um, and so those efforts to send kids into into other situations are are worthy as far as as far as I'm concerned. That was a little bit of a rant, huh? Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So I have two two really cool things to add. Kind of cool. I don't know. So the first is I'll decide if they're cool. Okay. So anxiety. Um, I experienced this with my own children. Two of them my middle two. And we ended up, so crew, he had so much anxiety about school. There were times where I had to drag him to the car and buckle him in, in his pajamas. And then like threaten him to bring him into school in his pajamas. If he didn't change his clothes in the car. Um, now wait, pause. How'd that make you feel? Horrible. Horrible. I'm guessing same for him. Yes. And so like, we went through a period where we were like, okay, like trying all the things, switching schools, like getting more help in reading and then, um, pulling him out of school and then seeing a therapist and then, um, the therapist saying, okay, so our goal is to get him back into school. And here's the steps for that. And like, who said that's our goal? Like, yeah, See that's ya. your goal. That's that's the school's <clears throat> goal because the school gets so much money per child. And yes. so their goal is to have as many kids in school as they can. I mean, yeah. So we dealt with that. And then Channing, she was like, it's it was a struggle every single day to get her to go to school. Same things. It's like put like physically grabbing her and putting her in the car. She when I pick her up at the end of the day when she was in school, it was like she had the best day ever, but it was getting her there. That was horrible Mm -hmm. for all of us. It was so much stress and so much struggle. Um, so I've seen firsthand the effects of of school and anxiety and children homeschooling. We don't see any of that. None, nothing. So like, we don't have to go to the psychologist anymore for both of them. Like we were going, I mean, they were going once every two weeks, both of them to like help with anxiety that in hindsight is, was mainly caused by school. So I don't know. I Channing's right now trying to decide, we, we kind of leave it up to our kids. Like, do you want to go to school or, or don't you? Knox didn't have a choice because he was little and we wanted him to play, but <clears throat> everybody else has a choice. So sailor, she goes to school. She's never homeschooled. She loves it. Um, crew has homeschooled for the past we're going on year four. Um, Channing just did this last year because everybody else was in COVID and Knox as well. And Channing's actually trying to decide if she wants to go back. And I'm reminding her of, <laughs> we're doing like a pros and cons list, mm-hmm. reminding her of like, this is what we did every morning. Did you like the way that felt? Um, but also I know that those friendships and that social piece is super, like she loves that piece of it. So yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. And so then the other thing I wanted to circle back to is I'm reading this book called outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the beginning, they talk about how professional, um, they looked at data for professional hockey teams in Canada and they had this huge roster of like 
the professional teams and they're, um, they were looking for things that they had in common. Like, why did these people, why are they so good at what they do and how did they get there? And so they came to find out that all of these pro Canadian, um, hockey players were, were all born within like three months of each other out of the year because so, so they were like at the very end of the, the very beginning, I should say of the cutoff for ages for entering into hockey when you're little. So they, I don't even, I don't remember what months they were born in, but let's say January, February, March, if they were born in January, February, March, and the cutoff was December, they have a leg up because they're older, their bodies are more developed. They've practiced a little bit more than the kids who were born in December. And then they related that to four and five-year-olds, like when like the four, five, six-year-olds, the cutoff for kindergarten and how um, the kids who are at the very edge of it will always more than likely be behind obviously, because their brains aren't as developed as somebody who's almost a full year older than them. And then how that sets up. So if you have that section, that set of kids in say a kindergarten class, first grade class, second grade class, the kids who are older, whose brains are more developed are going to be seen more as the gifted and talented. So they're going to be put into gifted and talented programs. And then the kids that are at the edge of it are going to be seen more as like, we need to help them, like give them reading support and strategies. So there becomes a separation, but the separation keeps growing and growing and growing because of the amount of support that's offered then and the challenge and stuff for the gifted and talented, the air quotes, gifted and talented kids. And so like it just, I, they said that the only country that doesn't group kids like we, like the rest of the world is Denmark and they don't categorically um, separate kids until they're 10 or 11, um, just because of the way that the brain develops. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, sending them into the kindergarten, sending them into the kindergarten, uh, meat grinder is, is one thing, but if you've got a real young kindergarten, it's even even more grindery. Um, Yeah. And in the book, he said that most parents are under the impression that they'll catch up by third or fourth grade, mm -hmm. but they don't the separation just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, I like Gladwell, although I've read some things that indicate he, he, in in some of his books, he's done a really, a lot of cherry picking in, in the research that he references, Uh but the red shirting stuff you're talking about, um, I've seen that, that in other, other locations as well, but he's, he's a really Mm -hmm. compelling writer. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and so, I mean, a lot of people are, are seeing these happy pictures of kids heading off to school and they're waving and, oh, oh, it's a milestone and they're wiping the tears out of their eyes. And um, I'm, I'm seeing what you kind of referenced before we started this episode, kids waving goodbye to play and yeah. play kind of like, hey, buddy, I'll miss yeah. you. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is kind of a, a sad thing because- <laughs> they once that's taken away from them they don't they don't know how to behave i've seen kids that that go into school very able to or used to deciding what they're going to do during the day and making their own choices forced into having all those decisions made for them and and really for the first few months of school bucking against that 
until they give in and they conform and then they come back to our program during, during holiday breaks and not know how to play anymore. Yes. We've seen that too. In our school age program, it takes like for our school age summer program, they're there Monday through Friday and it's all outdoors. I mean, it takes weeks for them to kind of get back into the routine of being able to just like enjoy themselves in play and sometimes not enjoy themselves in play, but to be able to like focus in on the games that they can create with each other and the things that they can do that aren't adult directed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'd see it like at Christmas break, they got it. They're off for what, 10 days, a couple of mm-hmm. weeks, whatever. And it would be three quarters of the way through that before they would get back in the, the swing of things and, and the back to the version of the, that child that we had known. And then it'd be the time to go mm-hmm. back to the meat grinder. Yeah. And <clears throat> our society just accepts it for that, that, that it is what it is. And I know that there's a lot of advocates out there, like advocating for change and advocating for play. And there's many teachers who try their best to incorporate as much free unstructured play as they can, but it's not the norm by any means. And they are probably seen as the outliers. They're seen as the, oh, she, like that teacher just lets them run around wild. Like the other teachers looking in on their classroom who don't know the value of play or haven't spent time learning about how people actually learn. Yeah. And I think there, there are people like, I think Peter Gray is one of them advocating for the fact that uh, for schools to really change, there needs to be a, a tipping point where enough people are choosing other alternatives that the public schools are actually at risk of uh, not being able to function because of lack of students before anything is yeah. really going to change on that national level. And, and it turns out the, the kids most in need of a more play friendly, developmentally appropriate schooling system, um, poor kids, often brown and black mm-hmm. kids are, are the ones that are often just structurally the way our country works, uh, locked into being stuck in those schools. And then we have organizations like national teachers unions who are totally opposed to things like homeschooling and school choice that are, that are locking those kids that are most at risk into, into those systems. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really seems, um, you know, if you think uh, teachers unions are working for the welfare of children, they're, they're, they're not. They're working for the welfare of teachers unions and yeah. teachers, which often um, have missions and goals that are not aligned with what actual human children uh, need or what ha- actual human children's families need. And so we need to push back a little bit against them. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying teachers are bad. There are people going to listen right. to this and say, Oh, Jeff is talking shit about teachers again. That's not the case. Now there are some shitty teachers out there, <laughs> but what I'm talking about mostly is the structure. And I know many, many quality, passionate teachers who are stuck feel stuck in this system and that are burning out and leaving. I mean, if you want to, you want, you want to know what a meat grinder it is, look at how many teachers go into the profession and leave within the first five or six years. It's astronomical. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so that system needs to be changed. And it's not so much about the individual teachers in the classrooms. It's about the, the system we've built or allowed to function. And it really needs to be broken down and, uh, and, and rehauled because it, it is a meat grinder for children and the teachers and the families that we're, we're shoving yeah. into it. And so the first day of school, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be celebrating it as much as we do. I feel like you made me rant a whole lot in this episode, Kristen. No, well, and I, I, I got in trouble once for um, saying that schools are similar to prisons. Um, in that, like, there's not really a choice. Like, you gotta go, and you don't really have a choice of who your teacher is, and like who's in your space with you and you have to like ask to go to the bathroom and you have to eat lunch at a certain time you get less time than a prisoner for outdoor play um have you ever seen the purse i don't know how to say it purcell laundry you don't do your own laundry so you probably don't pay attention to laundry detergent commercials but there's a <laughs> a laundry no, detergent no, company that put out a campaign called free the kids or dirt is good one of the two but it's it's there um have you seen it no oh i'm gonna send it to you i have a couple things to send to you now i probably um, won't watch it it's two minutes it's amazing it's, it's two minutes i could be doing something besides watching a laundry commercial but it's not a commercial it was a campaign that they made so they interviewed inmates in the united states in prison and they said um uh, how much out, how much outdoor time do you get each day? And they're like two hours. And how does it make you feel like we live for our outdoor time? Like that is, um, where we feel at our best. Like they described all these positive emotions. And then the interviewer asked, well, what if we just told you we were going to cut that in half and only give you an hour of outdoor time. And the prisoners like collectively were like, I, I would go mad. I would go crazy. I would, I would go, it would be, really hard to have that time cut in half. And then the interviewer says, do you know who does get less than an hour a day outdoors in the United States? And then they say children. And then the prisoners are all like, oh my gosh, like, what are we doing to our children in our world? Um, so it's powerful video. It's only two minutes. You was tied. It's not tied, it's personal. Oh I, yeah. You know what? Still a commercial. And I actually ended up buying their laundry detergent because of course I was, it was like, because it was yeah. a commercial. Yeah. 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 Oh, Hey, you're a Patagonia person too, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got to talk about Patagonia sometime. Um, okay. because oh, I didn't finish my thought. Oh, go ahead. Okay. What was my thought? It was, Prisons, um, school. about school and time. I can't remember. I don't know. Well, it's, I, I mean, they're both kind of forms of incarceration. And even if you look at yeah, building designs. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> you, if, 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 you, if you look at building designs, there, there are some striking similarities between, between the ways they design prisons and the ways they design modern schools in this modular form. Um, mm -hmm. 
So, you know, there's a lot going on there. Um, hey, this sounds kind of like it's been a bummer of an episode um, <laughs> as we kind of start rolling into the end. And maybe mm-hmm. it has been, but I mean, we got to pay attention to this. Listeners, if you're working with young children, enjoy the moment and engage in as much real play as you possibly yes. can, because those kids are going to head into that meat grinder. And unless they're very lucky children, they're going to head into that meat grinder. And your job maybe shouldn't focus so much on preparing them for the meat grinder as it should on giving them the best childhood you can before the meat grinder. And I'd like to say, hey, you need to stand up and push back against the meat grinderiness of the school system. But look, I know you're working long hours and it's exhausting and there's only so much time in the day. So there's only so much you can do. Um, so maybe there's not time for that, but focus on giving them the best childhood you can while they're with you. And that means lots of time for free choice, lots of play, lots of focus on relationships and being right now here present in the moment. Yeah. Final thoughts, Kristen, before we pull the plug. No. Speaking of plugs, you want to plug your social media? Yeah. That's what they call a segue. Yeah. Uh, at learning.wild is my Instagram. I hang out there. And then learning-wild.com is my website. So you can check out all my stuff there. There we go, listeners. Thanks for listening. Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was exciting. <laughs> This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.